Hey everyone, you're listening to Spark, where we amplify the voices of the Middle East startup, tech, and innovation ecosystem. I'm your host, Shireen, and along with our guests, we share with you expert insights on the latest and most relevant news. Our goal is to help you easily digest trending topics and be better equipped to know what to make of it all. Hey everyone, welcome to our latest episode as a part of our seven-part collaboration series with 500 Startups. Now today, I sit down with Lemia Shamari, who's the founder and CEO of MWJ. And that's Moj for short, which is a marketplace to buy new and pre-loved certified luxury watches in MENA. Now, Lamia is a watch and jewelry connoisseur and has over 10 years of experience in the industry. Now, we actually go on for quite a bit during the episode on the entire business of the secondhand watch and jewelry market, so lots to learn there. We also look into aspects such as how to build trust online when selling to customers, as well as the various things you need to keep in mind when launching an e-commerce business in Mina. I do hope you enjoyed today's episode. Now, let's jump straight to it. So Lamia, we're here to talk about MWJ, correct? Correct. It's Moj and it's also stands for Moj for Watches and Jewelry. So as a woman, you have my attention. I'd love to know what kind of jewelry do you sell in addition to luxury watches? Yeah, so basically there was a big demand from our current customer, our loyal customers. Guys, uh, why you didn't just add authentic luxury jewelry that keeps its values through the years? We want you to sell jewelry with watches. We trust mm. you in watches and we trust that you can bring value with the jewelry. So we added the jewelry depend on our customer's request. Now, you said a very interesting word and that's trust. Now, automatically when it comes to the secondhand market, my immediate, let's say, attention goes towards what's wrong with the item and why did the previous owner want to get rid of it? So usually when it comes to anything from secondhand furniture to cars, I tend to avoid it. And I'd like to purchase things from the retailer directly. So when it comes to watches and jewelry, how do you ensure and gain trust from your buyers that what you're selling is in fact authentic? So there are so many benefits behind this. The first, that the price is minimized to 10%, minimum 10%. I'm surprised it's not more than 10% because with cars, I think 10% drops the moment you drive out of the car dealership, let alone after usage and mileage accumulates. Yeah, because the value of this watch, not just as a luxury item that you can show off. Like, for example, Rolex takes 12 months to manufacture one watch. And mm. this watch stays for decades. So it is the value behind these watches. When you, when you buy a luxury watch as a second hand one, it will never go down. It will go up with years. So effectively, they become like an alternate investment. So instead of buying equities or bonds, some people purchase these pieces of jewelry as an asset class. It's an asset. And we saw that in a clear way during the pandemic. People who own these watches and they want some cash, we help them to sell their watches and to convert these watches into cash. It's a real asset that you can sell it anytime you need it. I'm curious because I'm very skeptical in thinking that all watches are assets. I'm sure that some watches just end up being pieces of junk that you know you you can't really sell because they're more fashion items as opposed to, let's say, intricate craftsmanship. 
What are some luxury brands that are foolproof assets, meaning that the prices definitely will not drop versus some other brands that are hit and miss when it comes to being treated as an investment? Right. Right. You are absolutely right. When it comes to the investment part, the value behind these watches, not every luxury watch is an asset. There are specific brands that shows through the history that these brands keeps its value and the value of these brands comes up every single month, not just a year. If you want to buy a watch as an asset, you have to study the market and study which watch I should buy and why. And you have to study this before stepping ahead to buy one. Lamia, you know, we never finished our trail of thoughts when it came to trust. Can you tell me again, how do you ensure that you have gained the trust of the users who visit your website? Through my journey, I had like before 500 Startups Accelerator and after 500 Startups Accelerator. So before joining 500 Startups, I had this big issue, how to show that I am behind my word and I am authenticating each item before selling it. I do this before, but when I joined 500, I learned how to develop the business and the strategies to feel to the customers that we are trustworthy and we're doing our job in the best way. After the accelerator and the mentorship that I gained from 500, customers start to trust us directly. They visit our website and they buy directly a watch that's valued more than 30K before they even ask us a question about it. So just to maybe clarify my understanding, you have been able to regain trust because of the association of your company with 500 startups, correct? Correct. Now, what if you had not gotten into the 500 startup program? I'm curious how in the absence of brand affiliation, how can a secondhand e-commerce store gain the trust of buyers in the secondhand market? You have to build the trust in different ways. For example, we start by teaching them how to differentiate between the authentic watch and the fake one. We show them in YouTube, we write articles and we teach them through all the social media platforms. We have like customer-based community customers who became part of the job or part of our marketplace. Our customers became the marketers who tell others about us. So also the word of mouth is a big thing. Just to again recap, you rely on educational information through the form of content marketing and then a referral program in some respects, correct? Correct. And other other details, like for example, I learned also from 500 that every time we authenticate an item, we print a certificate, we authenticate it and it's guaranteed for like the whole life that this is authentic and you can return it anytime you find any piece it's not as we promised many details many things that the customer need to see and feel and understand before they make sure that you are the right one to trust got that now the skill required to authenticate a luxury item like a watch is that something you as part of the founding team has or do you rely on external experts to do this piece of skilled work so we we have a strategic partnership with watches sellers in this industry. They have like more than 20 years as watchmakers, they authenticate these watches. 
We have our partners in Riyadh and in other countries in the Middle East who, like, we send these watches in their stores and they authenticate it with us. And we have our quality assurance team who then check every single watch before we send it to the customers. So we have, like, double check. Got that. Very, very interesting. Have you become at all an expert, personally, just by virtue of working in the space on the process of authenticating? Of course. Like, it's It's my passion. (laughs) When people are dropping huge amounts of money on the internet for things like luxury watches, do you ever get requests from some people saying, oh, but can I see the item first before purchasing? Yeah, we still have this type of customers. They want to see it before they buy it. And that's normal, absolutely normal. So we send them to the nearest strategic partner that we have and they can see it and buy it. It's fine. Now, I have another question. When it comes to e-commerce in KSA, are you able to serve a big enough market using just the Arabic language? And let me tell you why I ask. So, of course, in preparation for our recording, I visited your website and I noticed it was in Arabic. And given that I'm not very great at reading and writing Arabic, I first panicked and tried to find a, you know, toggle to English option. Couldn't find one. (laughs) I'm curious, as a founder running effectively an e-commerce, business in KSA, which is the largest consumer market in the region. Why go Arabic and Arabic only? And is that sufficient to help you grow as a business? We did like an A-B testing Mm -hmm. at the beginning. And we test some audience with the English language and some with the Arabic because in the first year, we want you want to focus in one language that you are an excellent with in terms of content. Mm. Then you can expand with the other language, either English or Arabic. What we found after that test that people in Saudi especially, they want when they pay something, the high amount, they want to read and uh, pay in Arabic language. And now we are expanding to other countries and we have customers that they, they demand the English language. So we are preparing the other side of the website with the English language. All the knowledge and educational content that you alluded to earlier, is all that recorded and posted in Arabic at the moment? At the moment, yes, in Arabic. And by the way, mm-hmm. like the internet is full with educational content in English language. But the Arabic is really rare. Definitely. Plenty of people that their strong language is the Arabic, not the English. I mean, even at minimum, if you wanted to not discourage the English speaking audience from your content, you can add English subtitles. But I absolutely agree that when it comes to the Middle East, though the majority do speak in English, meaning the businesses can get away with English content, producing Arabic content will go the extra mile. And, you know, speaking of... In your case, consumers who have high spending power, you only naturally would appeal to them more. So that's a perfect opportunity that I think you've identified. Now, Lamia, you mentioned that you're expanding. Where are you expanding to? We're expanding now to the other areas, the big areas in the Middle East, especially the Egypt market. The Egypt market is interestingly important in this area. And they have like the infrastructure to, especially with watches and like the history tells that the Egypt is one of the biggest markets that 
like Rolex and uh, Patek came first too. And since now we covered Saudi, Al Bahrain, Kuwait, Al Emirat, and Qatar, we are interesting to cover the other uh, areas in the Middle East. And also then we go to Europe, we will add our value in Europe market. Now, when you say that you're expanding to a place like Egypt, given that you're an e-commerce business, what parts of your operations are you actually expanding there? Because you can technically still serve them whilst operating out of KSA, correct? Correct. We sell to them. If a customer in Egypt bought a watch from our side, we can just sell it to them and ship it in the right way. What I mean by expanding that we have strategic partners in Egypt, they became like our authentication point. We cover maintenance and repair for our customer, which is an added value in Mojo. So when our customers in Egypt, they have someone there that easily take the watch from them and fix it and return it. It's a short time. And also we open up with a larger market where people, individuals sell their watches directly to us. Now with a country like Egypt that is not known for having, let's say, the same level of dispensable income (laughs) as people in KSA or the Gulf region to that matter. Why is it a logical choice for you to expand into as an e-commerce business that is in the luxury space? These items For example, half of our marketplace is secondhand watches that six years old, (laughs) let's say. So Hmm. the Egyptian people, they understand the value of these watches that like the grandma gives her daughter, then she give it to her daughter and the daughter give it to her daughter and etc. So they have this culture of sustainability. They have this culture of keeping these assets generation after generation. Got that, got that. Maybe not so much with watches, but when it comes to jewelry, especially gold, it's a commodity. It's an, you know, an alternate investment class around the world, even in, you know, places that have very low income per capita, like India or Far East Asia, gold is an investment. So it comes to think of it, you're right, actually, more than just the fashion statement element of it. I guess that the opportunity to invest in a commodity is being extended through your website. And also it's the feeling, like I have a watch that my mom gave it to me years ago. Every time I wear it, I feel my mom in this watch. But then let me play devil's advocate. If someone does have an emotional attachment to a piece of jewelry, why why would they sell it on a secondhand market? You know, sometimes they don't sell it. But I will tell you a story of one of my customers. She bought a vintage watch for her mom. Mm-hmm. And you know what she said? She said, my mom lost her vintage watch in the hospital and we couldn't find the same watch. My mom is attached emotionally to that specific watch. So we can't find it in boutiques now. She was like, thank you so much, Maud, for providing this type of watches. You kind of make dreams come true, basically. I mean, it's nice that your customers actually share their stories with you. I think that that, you know, goes to show that as a company, you have good engagement with your customers. Yeah, we talk to our customers a lot. It's actually very, very nice. All right, Lamia, 
well, you know, hopefully when I'm in the market for a secondhand piece of jewelry, watch or otherwise, I'll definitely give Moja a shout. Maybe by then you'll have translated your website to English. So it would be user friendly for chicken nuggets like me. <laughs> We're working on that. <laughs> inshallah, inshallah. Lamia, it was wonderful speaking with you today. Thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in today. Don't forget to subscribe to future episodes on your podcast listening platform of choice. And whilst you're there, leave a review and rate our show so that other aspiring innovators can find it. To find a summary of our discussion today and links to our guests, access our show notes by visiting our website, sparkwithshireen.com. If you don't want to miss out on future announcements, subscribe to our newsletter or follow us on LinkedIn and Instagram at sparkwithshireen. Before you go, I'd like to let you know that we love hearing from our listeners. If you have any comments or suggestions for future episodes, including guest or topic recommendations, drop us a message through our website or social platforms. If you didn't have a pen or paper handy to write all this down, don't worry. We've gone ahead and added all these links in the episode description. All you have to do is scroll down and click when you have a moment. As always, thank you for listening and see you next time.